Hey, welcome to the Rooted to Live podcast. This is episode number seven in the Path to Happiness series, and we've been considering what Jesus has to say about the blessed or truly happy life. The life that is deeply rooted in contentment may come as a surprise to what most believe brings about true happiness. We've been looking at Matthew chapter 5, And I'll read again, starting in verse 1. Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on a mountainside, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And today's concentration or focus is when Jesus says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. It's easier to talk about peacemaking than to actually experience it. Most definitions of peace discuss being free from something, uh, freedom from agitation, fear, terror, anger, anxiety, worry, maybe even war or conflict, freedom from conflict. Some use the word peace for like inner harmony or tranquility, to be at peace, or in social situations to hold the peace. Uh, Some use it to mean silence or to suppress one's thoughts or to rest. For God's perspective on peace and peacemaking, we turn to his word. Peace is central to the message of the Bible. Scripture contains 400 direct references to peace. God is called the God of peace repeatedly. God fights for peace, which sounds like an oxymoron, but Romans chapter 16 verse 20 says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Hmm. God's peace usually emerges through conflict, confrontation, and sacrifice. Here's an example. God has made a way for his peace between experienced, uh, uh, between mankind and himself, through the giving of his son, Jesus Christ, for those who will receive him. Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says, Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that Jesus himself is our peace. Jesus offers peace to those who will trust in him. In John chapter 14 verse 27, Jesus says to his disciples that the kind of peace he gives is not as the world gives. Peace really is the presence of God, not uh, not, uh, necessarily the absence of trouble. So to be a peacemaker, you have to have God's peace to give. And that happens when we put our faith in Jesus Christ and begin to follow him. Uh, God's Holy Spirit dwells in the life of such a person. And the fruit or byproduct is the character of God starts to grow in us. And a characteristic of God that grows in us as we trust in him and follow him is peace. You can't be a true peacemaker if you don't have him. So the A wonder is, what can I do to partner with God's Holy Spirit whereby He cultivates peace in my life for the sake of others? Isaiah chapter 26 verses 3 and 4 relays the idea that God will keep in perfect peace those whose mind is stayed or fixed on Him. 
Another way of saying that is the part we play in seeing peace cultivated in our life is the trust in the truth or trusting in God, telling the truth, beginning with ourselves. So what does it mean to be a peacemaker? Well, some would define it as endeavoring to reconcile persons who have disagreement. And so this definition suggests being a third party, brokering a peace between two others who are not getting along. Maybe another word for that is mediation. And that happens, but peacemaking is bigger than that. Possessing God's peace and then being an active bringer and keeper of peace and helping others to have that peace. So one point to consider today really is we attempt to make peace by doing what we can to maintain right relationships. Jesus actually gets real practical in his teachings concerning this in the same chapter in Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 and 24. The scriptures read, So if you are offering your gift at the altar, Jesus says, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. So it's not only with those we love and who love us, but Jesus actually raises the stake. So to our brother we are to be reconciled when there's a problem, if we can. But then a few verses later, in verse 43 of chapter 5, Jesus says, You have heard that it is said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and unjust. Jesus is saying that peacemaking is displayed in acts of love by which we try to overcome the strife, bitterness, and conflict between us and other people. And God did this very thing himself, didn't he? By sending Christ, by so loving the world that he sent his only son so that whoever would put their faith, confidence, hope, trust, believe in him or believe on him, put their belief into him, would know him eternally and have relationship with him eternally, have peace eternally. See, we attempt to make peace by loving and praying for those against us as one example Jesus is saying. But this notion that God made reconciliation with us. We can see this several times in Scripture. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19 um, says, That is, in Christ God was recon- reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Or Colossians chapter 1, verse 20, And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. See, without Christ's sacrifice, we would not have peace. We usually uh, try to avoid painful personal sacrifices, but the whole history of redemption, climaxing in the death and resurrection of Jesus, is God's strategy to bring about a just and lasting peace between us and himself, and then between one another. So essentially, we are to try to be peacemakers with everyone. Does this make God unrealistic? I think that's a fair question. Doesn't he know that sometimes it doesn't work? And the answer obviously is yes. In Romans chapter 12, verse 18, the text says, If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Well, as far as it depends on you. Not everyone else is interested, of course. Peacemakers are bridge builders. They long for reconciliation, but realize that sometimes peace is not possible because others are are unwilling or unable. This means that sometimes, even when we do our part, it will not always lead to the desired outcome. 
So although you grieve the loss of what was preferred, you can be at peace because you tried to make peace with another, to make peace happen. Sometimes we'll step out on faith and seek to make peace with another person, but the attempt fails. Jesus actually experienced this himself in Matthew chapter 10, verse 34. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to earth. I have not come to bring peace but a sword. Well, that's interesting because Christ himself is peace, but then not all people experience peace with him. Jesus cut through people's self-righteousness and idolatry. He spoke to the heart, and sometimes this resulted in peace, but not for all, because some were unwilling. On top of that, when people would choose to follow Jesus at his invitation, those who received him would know real peace for the first time. But it would cause division for some, as others would reject those who followed him. So if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So, we attempt to make peace by living in the truth and offering the truth. That's another point, really, of peacemaking. Sometimes peace is realized and sometimes it's not. And sometimes we're tempted to settle for cheap or fake peace. And that's something to be mindful of or cautious of. See, this usually happens when the truth is withheld or not upheld. That's fake peace. To keep the peace sometimes is not true peace at all. Some people think that peacemaking means you don't confront others with the truth so that no one is really bothered or upset. Well, when that happens, it always undermines the integrity of relationships. Maybe there is peace on the surface, but underneath there are all sorts of emotions, feelings, and it always leads to inauthentic relationship. Here's some examples that came to my mind today. It'd be like ensuring that everyone gets his or her way, thinking that that's peacemaking. That's not peacemaking. Tolerating injustice toward others is not peacemaking. Keeping silent when falsehood abounds is not peacemaking. Minimizing abuse to protect the abuser is not peacemaking. Needing everyone to like you or agree with you is not peacemaking. Manipulating others to give you what you want is not peacemaking. And appeasing others in their divisive demands is not peacemaking. In the book of James, chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, we get some more insight about the connection of peacemaking and wisdom. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace, the text says. True peace comes in the creation and the maintenance of a state of truth, honesty, righteousness, and justice. Peace that leads to righteousness is peace that steadfastly refuses to let go of its standard, justice, and the wisdom of God. So the idea of the harvest here is that it's an ongoing process, one of becoming more like Jesus in his righteousness, which is God's desire for any of us who claim to follow Jesus. Peacemaking is not really about making relationships right for self, but for the sake of others, including that person or the other person's relationship with God, to the glory of God. Actually, scriptures validate this this notion. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 52, verse 7, we read, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of those, or of him, who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, Your God reigns. Another way of saying that in the New Testament, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 15, considering the feet of those who bring peace, 
Paul writes to a church that needs encouragement. And as for shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. So another aspect of peacemaking that we see in both the Old and New Testament is being a person who shares our hope in Jesus, shares of our hope. That, that's actually a hope that brings peace as well. We share that with others so that they can have peace with God and peace and the peace of God. So another point of peacemaking is we attempt to make peace by sharing the gospel with others. Who needs you to be a peacemaker for their sake? Now, remember the descriptions of happiness Jesus has been teaching. They actually build upon each other here in the book of Matthew. Uh, they build one upon the other. They're, they're not suggestions, but an honest description of the person who is on the narrow road of true happiness. So if they build upon one another, where does peacemaking come from? Well, if we look at the text in chapter 5, what we looked at so far in this series, peacemaking comes from a pure heart, which springs from receiving God's mercy and being an agent of mercy as a demonstration of God's righteousness to and through us. So where is the happiness in being a peacemaker? If this is the path to happiness, where does the happiness come from the, the effort and the work? in the demand of being a peacemaker. Consider the text again. It's a statement then with a promise. Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. Blessed or truly happy are the peacemakers, and here's the promise, for they shall be called sons of God. Hmm. Jesus isn't telling us how to become a child of God. Jesus is simply describing someone who is. Is he describing you? Sons of God are peacemakers, but the scriptures do tell us how someone becomes a child of God. A popular Christian half-truth is this. We're all God's children. Well, in a sense, that's true because God's creator. But the scriptures tell us that to be heirs of God means that we have to be adopted into his family. And so we become children of God by trusting in Christ for the forgiveness of our sins and putting our faith in Christ as our hope. Jesus does the work. God's spirit does the calling of our hearts the saving and the sealing of us into God's family. And all we do, of course, is respond and receive. By God's grace, we start becoming like him, merciful, pure, and peacemaking. Children of God take on the character of their Heavenly Father. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God.